no scream, I said. Because of the heart wound? Coroner said it could have collapsed the heart, put her into instant shock. Milo smoked some more. I thought again of the pre-autopsy photos, Hope Devane's body ice-white under the coroner's lights, three deep purple stab wounds in close-up, chest, crotch, just above the left kidney. The forensic scenario was that she had been taken by surprise and dispatched quickly by the blow that exploded her heart, then slashed a second time above the vagina, and finally laid face down on the sidewalk and stabbed in the back. A husband doing that, I said. I know you've seen worse, but it seems so calculated. This husband's an intellectual, right? A thinker. Smoke escaped the car in wisps, decaying instantly at the touch of night air. Truth is, Alex, I wanted to be Seacrest for selfish reasons. Because <laughs> if it's not him, it's a goddamn logistical nightmare. Too many suspects, I said. Oh, yeah. Lots of people who could have hated her. A self-help book changed Hope Devane's life. Wolves and Sheep wasn't the first thing she published. A psychology monograph and three dozen journal articles had earned her a full professorship at 38, two years before her death. Tenure had given her job security and the freedom to enter the public eye with a book the Tenure Committee wouldn't have liked. Wolves made the bestseller lists for a month, earning her center ring in the media circus and more money than she could have accumulated in ten years as a professor. She was suited to the public eye, blessed with the kind of refined, blonde, good looks that played well on the small screen. That and a soft, modulated voice that came across confident and reasonable over the radio meant she had no trouble getting publicity bookings. And she made the most of each one. For despite Wolves' subtitle, Why Men Inevitably Hurt Women and What Women Can Do to Avoid It, and its indicting tone, her public persona was that of an intelligent, articulate, thoughtful, pleasant woman entering the public arena with reluctance but performing graciously. Audio and videotapes, some newspaper coverage, the book, all passed along by pas and fellows. They'd never studied any of it. He told me about inheriting the case the night before, sitting across the table from Robin and me at a seafood place in Santa Monica. Midway through the meal, Robin left for the ladies' room, and Milo said, Guess what I got for Christmas? Christmas is months away, I said. Maybe that's why this is no gift. Cold case. Three months cold. Hope to vain. Why now? Because it's dead. New lieutenant, same old pattern, I thought. Milo was the only acknowledged gay detective in the LAPD and would never be fully accepted. His 20-year climb to Detective 3 had been marked by humiliation, sabotage, periods of benign neglect, near violence. His solve record was excellent, and sometimes that helped keep the hostility under the surface. His quality of life depended upon the attitude of the superior of the moment. The new one was baffled and nervous, but too preoccupied with the dispirited post-riot department to pay too much attention to Milo. 
he gave it to you because he thinks it's a low probability solve? Also, Milo said, he figures Devane might have been a lesbian. Should be right up your <clears throat> alley, Sturgis. Is there any indication she was gay, I said? No, but she had tough things to say about men, so ergo ipso facto. Robin returned. She'd reapplied her lipstick and had fluffed her hair. Well, you two look serious, she said, slipping into the booth. He just got the Hope Devane murder, I said. What a terrifying thing. Good neighborhood like that? You go for a walk right outside your house and someone jumps out and cuts you? The first thing I thought of was she was killed because of her views, and that would make it terrorism. But even if it was just some nut picking her at random, it's still terrorism in a sense. Personal freedom in this city kicked another notch lower. Well, at least you're on it, Milo.